Shakespeare. Um, he's one of my favorite actors, kind of edgy. Um, his last words were, I'll be just fine. Or Humphrey Bogart, I never should have switched from scotch to martinis. That was his last words. Or Winston Churchill, one of my heroes. Winston Churchill, I'm bored with it all. That was his last words. Or Bob Marley, I went to school at Humboldt State. So when I first was this 22-year-old kid, I went and I saw all these like Rastafarian flags. I'm like, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore, you know. And Bob Marley said, money can't buy life. That was his last words, money can't buy life. And then, of course, one of the famous ones, one of the brilliant minds of our age, Steve Jobs. You know what his last words were? Who knows? Does anybody know what he said at his death? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now that is something I want to be a part of. Steve Jobs, one of the greatest minds of our time, that is, phones, the, Apple has changed everything. The great minds saw when he opened his eyes into this next life, his eternal life, whether he knew Jesus or not, I don't know. I pray that he did. Oh, wow. So I want to be oh, wow people on my deathbed. I want to say I left everything out on the table. No regrets. No regrets. I don't want to be a Sunday to Sunday Christian anymore. I want to live an oh, wow Life. And so this morning, I want us to see Jesus as an oh, wow God. This morning, Lord, I just, I just can't believe more people don't know how amazing you are and what an incredible God that you are, Lord, that we're living in a time, in a city where we have neighbors of different religions and different ethnic backgrounds. Lord, I love what Fremont is looking like with a smattering of people from Russian immigrants and Afghan immigrants and people from Jordan and all over the world are here. God, we get to be missionaries right in here at Fremont, California. And I thank you that we have a church and a place where we can welcome people, even of different faiths, knowing that you are the God of the universe and that you, made your, you manifested yourself through the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, Lord, I pray you wow us with your Holy Spirit, with your scripture. Lord, may it come alive. May your word come alive. May we leave here different people this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you that you left the Spirit with us this morning to guide, to direct us, to walk with us. And Lord, we, in the mighty name of Jesus, the resurrected King, we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 1, I'm reading from the message. It's a paraphrase. You know, I love Eugene Peterson. Um, some of you might have the ESV or the NIV. I love my bookshelf, I have pretty much every translation of the Bible. I even have a Greek translation. I'm kind of a, I'm a nerd of, of the Bible. I love it. And then I just felt like the message paraphrase kind of gets us off to a good head start. So this is Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. It starts off with this dear Theophilus, or I'd like to say dear Theo. In the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to his apostles the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit, and was taken up to heaven. After his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings, 
over a period of 40 days in face-to-face meetings. He talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for the, what the Father has promised and the promise that you heard from me. John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in Holy Spirit and soon. When they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What y'all are going to get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world, Fremont, California. And it doesn't get more to the end of the world in the Bay Area. These were his last words. Ah, the last words of Jesus. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there. Staring into an empty sky, suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, Galileans, yeah, you Galileans, why do you just stand there looking up to an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. There is some good stuff that happens. And yes, we're going to talk about the ascension. And I know Jesus is doing some stuff in heaven. Um, I'm not a theologian. There's some stuff in 1 Corinthians. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things here about kingdoms and placing enemies under the authority. But I am more of a, I know what's happening around me because I'm a sensory person. I see things. I touch things. I want things. You know, I feel things. And so Jesus also, when he resurrected from the dead, had some appearances that I think is, is quite interesting. And, and again, how do we live as Easter people? How do we live as people of the resurrection 24-7, moment by moment? And I like what N.T. Wright suggests. I actually have a version of the Bible. It's an N.T. Wright New Testament. He's kind of a, a scholar of the Bible. I like a lot of his stuff. And there should be a graphic, I think. Melissa, we have a graphic up there. It says this. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project to snatch people away from earth to heaven. Wait a minute, let me read that again. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's prayer is about. Colonize the earth with the life of heaven. I love that. I love that. That's oh wow stuff to me. And I need this reminder today. You know, again, the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. It's so daily. Life is so daily, isn't it? Man, I want to get ahead and start thinking about stuff. The summer's coming up. I'm looking at, wow, all these things that are going to happen in my family's life. And God's like, Doug, just today, just today. Bread for today. Because I think a lot of us, we're looking up at an empty sky sometimes, right? We're, we're, we're people, you know, and then, you know, Jesus is, is ascended, and we're looking up, and uh, interesting that Eugene Peterson says an empty sky. You know, what are some of the empty things that we're, that, that we're looking up for? 
Maybe it's, it's self-sufficiency or this kingdom to be impressive to others. Um, as I'm getting older, I'm wondering sometimes, am I still relevant when I see all the young minds and the young way of thinking and the, the new young ways to do church? Um, I, I want to be impressive. Wealth, the kingdom of wealth. The kingdom of image. Who doesn't love a good selfie? Who doesn't love to check themselves out in the mirror all the time? Or see, ah, I'm looking pretty good still. Or the kingdoms of political systems. Maybe, you know, the questions that, that the disciples asked before Jesus ascended. We'll talk about that a little bit. But hey, when are we going to come together as a nation? When are we going to be great again? You know, all this kingdom stuff down here, we get sidetracked a little bit because Jesus is planting a new kingdom. Yes, in heaven, but on earth as well. So what did Jesus do after the 40 days he was around? Because the Bible clearly states that in, you know, 40 days, he was on the earth making some appearances. But before we get to that, we always want to go back to what the Apostle Paul reminds us of in 1 Corinthians 15. It's a long chapter. I'm not going to take you all the way through it. But Paul always gives us a reminder of what the good news is. Okay? The good news is not the stock market. The good news is not that your house is going to go up in value in a, even more, or maybe property taxes are going to come down. It's not good news. Um, we look at stuff down here that we see and, and, and pay attention to. Not, not such great news. The good news is this, okay? Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Say it after me. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. And Jesus rose from the dead. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That, that simple thing. It, yes, it's a doctrine, it's a creed, but it's an oh wow thing. The fact that this God-man Jesus died for our sins, yes. Was buried, and that he rose from the grave. That's what baptism is, by the way. When baptism, it's symbolic. Death, burial, resurrection. So we want to live as resurrected people 24-7. And so Paul reminds us, he goes, look, I got this news. I'm writing about this news. I'm passing this news on to you guys. And you pass this news on to these guys. And then those guys. And it gets passed down to us that the gospel doesn't change. Church is going to change. Things might be more crafty and relevant. But the gospel doesn't change. It's still, oh, wow, stuff today. Because Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And way more, oh wow, look at the, the, the people he appeared to. This is crazy. Okay, the first guy he appeared to, it says, according to the Apostle Paul, was Peter. The guy that denied that he knew him three times. If I had a buddy that said, oh yeah, I know Pastor Doug. What? Not that he's an idiot, but what if somebody said, yeah, I don't really care for the guy, or... Yeah, I don't really, yeah, I hear he's a good guy, but eh, I don't really know him. I mean, I, I don't associate myself with him. Oh, man. Jesus first hung out with Peter. That's crazy. And then the 12 disciples, the one, is Judas included in this? The one that like betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver? The backstabber? Well, why would you want to appear to that guy? I'm like, I am unfriending him for sure, right? And then it says he appears to 500 guys all at one time. 
did Jesus put on a concert? I don't know. He appeared like, it's me. Hey, 500 people. I'm trying to think what 500 people, what a venue of 500 people. It's not a baseball game or a basketball game, but I, I don't know, a small concert, 500 people at one time. I mean, is it a press room of them asking him questions? Jesus, are you a ghost? Um, you were dead and now you're alive. Okay, wait a second. Now all this stuff, are you the, I mean, wow. And then to James, good old James, and then the apostles. And my question is like yours. Okay, apostles, disciples. He's appearing to people. And then Paul says, lastly, he appeared to me. The really bad one. The one that persecuted the church. Paul doesn't think highly of himself in the sense that he knows that he used to kill and destroy followers of the way. The people of the resurrection. He hated the people of the resurrection. And he goes, you know, it's only by God's grace that I am here telling you this very news. That the worst person in Fremont could be a carrier to the ends of the earth. Think of the worst person, the one that wants to destroy and make things horrible. That was Saul, whose name was changed to Paul because Jesus appeared to him in bodily resurrected form. It's amazing. That's an oh wow moment. Okay, so again, what was, why is the post-resurrection important? When Jesus rose from there, why is it important? Because word on the street is this. There's no such thing as bodily resurrection. Everybody knows this. A physical body cannot raise from the dead. It's clearly impossible. It's impossible. Kind of like the cure for cancer. There isn't one. Not possible to cure cancer. So how can this person raise from the dead? Because nobody was looking for it, not even its closest followers. Nobody ever had the question of, wait, didn't Jesus say that he was going to die, be buried, and raise on the third day? In all the gospel accounts, Jesus throws that in there. But these guys don't get it. They're probably still worried about their country, their nation. They got it wrong. You see, death is a strong thing. Death is scary. I don't like death. My parents are getting older. They're now in the season of their 80s. I'm starting to think, how can I be a good son to honor their lives well? To, as, they're in, as they're in good health and of sound mind, I want them to have a good, proper last season of their life. Whether I don't know what this next season is going to be. Maybe they're going to live into their hundreds. Who knows what's going to happen? But I know that I'm going to miss them. I'm going to miss them because death, I hate death. I hate doing funerals. I don't like when people are grieving and sad. But I'm like, wait a minute. Paul reminds us that in Adam, we all die. That was the curse. That was the DNA code, right? That was the genetic makeup that we just sin. The wages of sin is death. We can't, death and taxes. Can't get away from death and taxes. I know I'm always going to pay taxes for something. But this is what through Adam, through humanity, Sin entered the world through the first human, which is Adam, our grandparent. But Jesus conquered the death thing. Jesus is the new man, the new Adam. I look at him kind of like the new God-man, the one that came back from the dead. Resurrection came through Jesus Christ. And therefore, we can live as resurrected people. See, Jesus lived the life that you and I couldn't live. Jesus was tempted. But Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf. 
Jesus took care of the sin thing, and that's what really the resurrection was about as well. So let me dig more into Acts chapter 1 here. It says this in, in verses 3 to 5. It says, after his death, duh, Doug, you're talking about this, after his death. Well, he presented himself alive in many different settings over 40 days, okay? So let's look at the who, what, where, why, when thing when you do a journal, right? Let's, let's pretend like we have our, our journalism hats on and, you know, old school. We're not gonna, we're gonna write stuff down as we see where Jesus goes and what he does. All right, Jesus made some appearances. First of all, Jesus loved to eat. A, eat, eat. Who doesn't love to eat? When you eat with someone, you know what it is? This guy, I don't, I'm not an acquaintance anymore. I am now a friend. When you have coffee, when you eat with somebody, I think that's how God makes himself known. He eats. In fact, remember his reputation was with the religious establishment? This dude eats with sinners. This dude is a lush. He's a glutton. And the Greek word for a wino it's in your King James Version Bible, wine bibber. Don't use that word, but you know what a wine bibber is? It's someone that is a habitual drinker. Jesus has a good, and this is gonna, I know, I know. Oh, and I'm not giving us license to go and be wine bibbers, but I think Jesus would love a good wine and good food and good conversation. This doesn't look like the God that we all thought. I picture Jesus laughing, gutturally laughing, and listening with his eyes and with his heart and loving. Laughing as these women are like, yeah, we were the first to see you, Jesus, but none of the boys believed us. And Jesus is like, oh, well, you know, these guys, they're crazy. You know, the, the religious, yeah, they think I'm a lush and I have too much fun. I'm, I'm not fasting. I'm having a great time. And again, I'm not talking about hedonism here. I'm talking about food brings people together. You know, what if you're praying for a neighbor that you're going to invite over? That's, that's a lot of vulnerability, but who is someone you can invite over or have coffee with? Inviting them into your home, that's a big step, but maybe the next step is having coffee or bringing some of your great banana bread that you love to make or, the, or a great soup. Who, loves to, who doesn't love to make soup? All right, I'm digressing here. What else did Jesus do? He barbecued fish on a beach. He barbecued fish. He grabbed fish. He got bread. I don't know. I'm not a big fish person. I do love bread. But he's barbecuing on the beach. And where are his 12 friends? They're fishing. They're grieving. That's how men, by the way, men grieve by doing stuff. He's in the garage. He's watching Fox News. Or he's working in the car. Or he's taking a walk and he's walking the dog. That's how I see. That's what men do. They, they, just, they do their thing. These guys are fishermen. And the friends were grieving. And they hear Jesus' voice, and they're like, it's the master. And they jump out of the boat, and they're hauling in this great thing of fish. Jesus is having breakfast. Nothing like having breakfast with your friends. Nothing, nothing like that, okay? I love that he got, and he found Thomas. I'm kind of like Thomas. See, Jesus, are you a ghost? Are you really real? And Jesus said, get up in this business. Touch Touch the holes. See the nail prints. Touch my side. Jesus invited a person, a human, to touch. Okay, we, that's, that's a big thing that I see in the scripture is that Jesus is not just some statue or some painting. 
It's a person. A, Thomas wanted to know, I got I to gotta see what this is like. I got I to gotta feel it. And he, I can picture him giving Thomas a little nuggie. Like, dude, come on. I told you this a hundred times. I was going to raise from the dead. Okay? Do what you need to do, Thomas. Just believe. Just believe. And I love, what does Jesus do best? Connecting with everyone in some shape or form. You see, to be a resurrected to be a, a resurrection people, to be an Easter people, means we have to be relational. And I know you introverts, you're like me. Oh, that means I got to talk to people. Not all of them. Who's that one? My, life, my wife loves, she's an extrovert, loves to connect with everyone. My, uh, my oldest daughter, she goes, Dad, I get depressed when I'm by myself. My dad this week, my mom was on a cruise. She took a cruise, went and just went. She, had, she and her three 80-year-old friends, they all turn 80 this year, so they're doing this cruise. And then my dad, um, I said, hey, dad, how are you doing this week? He goes, you know, I'm trying to figure out when your mom dies, I'm going to be lonely. I, I got to move into a place where I could, like, hang out with people all the time and, like, have just, I can't be alone, Doug. I can't be alone. I'm like, dad, mom's healthy, but I'm so my dad's starting to have those thoughts. It's just like, okay, you want to be in community. My mom is an introvert. She goes, Doug, don't ever move me into a group place because I, I'm choosy with my friends. That's my mom saying, I'm an introvert. I like what I like. I like my space. So I'm honoring both. You need to honor both. Your husband may not do the stuff that you do, may not want to go and knock on every door in the neighborhood. That's okay, okay? Jesus works with all of our different talents and skills and how he made us up. But God always uses the context of relationship. Or the story of the road to Emmaus. These two disciples, downcast, walking away. They thought Jesus was going to be the one. We had thought he was the, the prophet. We had thought all these things. And then Jesus shows up when they least expect it. And then when he reveals himself, it's when he gave them communion. They recognized Jesus when he took the bread and broke it and served it. What if when we are breaking bread or having coffee or, or serving somebody in some way, God manifests himself in some way through us and he's there. We're two or more gathered. We're two are, or more are gathered. There he is. And then one of my favorite appearances, he just walks right through a door. That's where I'm like, well, is he a ghost? And that's where that comes from. Well, if Jesus walked through a door, how could he be a physical, I don't know, he's God, but he showed up. And he showed up alive. And they, it's like they were all huddled up scared. And I think Jesus went, boo! Like that, like, I'm here! Again, this, this is real life stuff where Jesus is showing up when they least expect it. And he says, peace. And that's what he says to us this morning. Peace. One of my favorite prayers. Peace. Peace. When my kids are fighting, which is all the time. Isaac, peace. Kayla, peace. For 40 days, that's more than a month, Jesus showed up alive when nobody was expecting it. And you know the great thing here? I love how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus talked to Nicodemus. He's like the religious dude, Nick at night. And Jesus says, hey, Nicodemus, I just want you to know something, that the Holy Spirit, you can't, it's a mystery. You don't know when he's going to show up. It's like the wind. You know where it comes from or where it goes, but you can feel it. Same thing with Jesus here. He is showing us what the Spirit of God looks like by showing up when we least expect it. 
Let me come down the home stretch in Acts 1. When they were together for the last time, they asked Jesus, and this is interesting, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? Is this the time? Verse 7, he told them, you don't get to know the time. You don't. That's the Father's business. You don't get to know. I hear your question. Don't concern yourself with this kind of thing. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be my witnesses all over the land. And these were his last words, okay? It's almost like us asking, Lord, when is the capital going to be restored? When is democracy going to be figured out? When is my political agenda going to supersede somebody else's political agenda? See, I think this morning, look, I love America. I love the flag. But I think Jesus is more concerned with nations and people groups and areas. And I love America. Let me tell you, I have been given freedoms. But how would that feel if I'm at Lake Elizabeth and I have a sh- shirt that's got the, you know, I just, I'm. Uh, folks, the more and more immigrants that I am meeting, I met a guy this last week at, the, at, at um, an oil chain shop. And I knew that he was Afghan. I felt the Lord say, ask what his name is. Gave me his name. I'm like, how's your business? And you know what he told me? I was the one that was on that plane. I was on the plane. That big, huge plane that you saw on the news. With He was on there. How in the heck would I ever tell this guy, this human being, that go back? Man, we have such opportunity. Such mystery. To know that we live in an area where there's all these, we can learn so much. So all the political stuff, I just think that, that that's, I know that's important. My 80-year-old dad still, and I say this every time, he's like, Doug, did you watch what Hannity said today? He was so on. Dad, and my dad's followed Jesus his whole life, but he's, Dad, Jesus, who's your neighbor? Well, I don't like my neighbor. He's too loud. I smell pot. Dad, who's your neighbor? Who's, who's that Samaritan on the... Who's that one that's left for dead on the side of the road? I love my dad, but I'm like, you know. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is a funny story. Winding it up. Okay, verses 9 through 11. These were the last words of Jesus. And then, as they watched Jesus go up into a cloud. Again, a cloud, if you look at the whole Bible and the New Testament, it's the presence of God. So this cloud enshrouded Jesus. They stood there. They looked up into an empty sky. And suddenly, out of nowhere... These two dudes in like white robes are like, they just show up. I don't think they announce themselves. So these guys, these Galilean fishermen are, uh, and then what? (laughs) What are you guys doing looking up? Like the way he's going to come back down this, it's going to be a mystery. Okay. And so what did these guys do? They went a half mile back to Jerusalem. Um, What's great. And it says this in the text that Jesus' brothers were there waiting for these guys. So Jesus' brothers made fun of him. Okay, in John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers didn't like him. They poked fun at him. Well, if you're the Messiah, show yourself to everybody. You go do you. We're going to do our thing. We're going to keep the family business going. But Jesus, you do your thing. And so even Jesus' brothers were like part of this new church. And Jesus' mother was there. And then Pentecost came. And then the one who denied Jesus, Peter, was now the voice of the church. 
So you've got Paul and Peter, the ones who are in our frame of mind, in our world, losers, has-beens. The ones that you think don't get it, those are the ones that Jesus wants. These, these Galileans, by the way, the word Galilean, if you look at the, the Galilean means that you hate Rome. You hate it. You hate them because they're taking and they're imposing their religion, their beliefs, their taxes. They're nationalists. These Galileans are zealots and nationalists and they love their country. And look, they were raised in the Torah knowing that the prophets always talked about the restoration of Israel. They ask a good question. We don't want to discount that. But Jesus reminds them it is not their fight to build an earthly kingdom. It's to, it's, it's to bring life of heaven on earth. Don't concern yourself with things that God has got covered. And I'm with you. I worry about the future of what's going to happen in not just my country, but in the world. We're easily distracted people chasing down the titans, taking dead aim on what it is we want down here. We just do. But let's not look up to an empty sky. Jesus wants to direct us. And thank God that he did leave. I would, that, I'm like, I'd be sad, like, oh, he's gone. But guess, he's leaving the Holy Spirit, his presence that lives in us to encourage us, to walk alongside us. It was funny this week, speaking of brothers, I kind of, um, usually spring break is tricky because I, I like to hang out with students because they're not in school. And so, they, they have things that they're doing with family, and I got away with my family for a couple days, and I was with my kids, and we had, good, we had a good time hanging out, going on hikes. But this week, I got to hang out with these five high school boys, and we went and fed homeless over at Compassion Network. And it was funny, you guys. They kept fighting in the car. It was three, there was three brothers, and they just, they can't keep them, their hands to themselves, and they just keep, like, fighting with each other. And I'm like, you guys, this, that's just what they do. And so in Jesus', in Jesus discipleship circle, he had three sets of brothers, or two, three sets of brothers. So and, and, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and then James, or Judas, James the Lesser and Thaddeus were believed to be brothers. But I love the fact that, that Jesus works in people groups, in family things, right? So I look at some of our youth sometimes as, you know, I see siblings. I don't just see this person, but I see, oh, this is a family, not just a, a student, but a family that could reach another family that could reach another family. And so God uses family. And this is why I take Isaac to the skate park. It's you know what? You know who's bringing people to Jesus? It's not me. It's Isaac. Isaac is going, hey, Julian, I'm praying for you. Oh, thanks, Isaac. Wow. Like, you can just see, like, he sees things. And so I'm trying to bring Kayla in on some kingdom things, even though that's a little bit more difficult. But and she's an introvert. So God, the kingdom is coming in Fremont. One neighbor, one student, maybe one co-worker for you introverts. And we do this because he first loved us. We love. I would love a church a missional church where we are known as professional lovers. I feel like I say this all the time. Not professional judgers, but professional lovers. Because 1 John 4, 9, we love because he first loved 
us. Let me just close with this. Um, there should be a graphic up, the, the blessing rhythms. We're learning this. I learned this in Discipleship Pathway. This is um, from, I think I had, there it is. This is from the, uh, what we're learning. This is based off Genesis 15 where, where um, Abraham gets all this blessing from God and, and God says, Abraham, don't hoard your blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. So we at Fremont Community Church, we are blessed to be a blessing. And I love this bless rhythm. I love that Jesus modeled this. Jesus modeled this. Jesus prayed. Often went before the day, he prayed. He did a lot of listening. A lot of listening and engaging with people. People that are different colored skin than us. Different political views. Different clothing, different vibe than us. And then, of course, there's the E. Jesus loved to eat with people. And then a serve. That's a little bit of a tougher one, but we got to put ourselves out there, right? Somebody that we're, we're eating with, that we're listening with, that we're praying for, that we serve them in some way. For me, I'm, I'm eating bag chips at the skate park. They, they go like gangbusters, but it's the best. 40 bucks, whatever, a bag of chips or, a, you know, the little, those little Costco size. They know I'm coming. They're, they're like fish, okay? And then I'm like, okay, I'm meeting a need. I'm listening. They're telling me about surgeries they're having or their baseball games or trouble with their family. Um, I'm, on, I'm getting close to story. Like, tell me about your life. Tell me about your brother or your, this teacher that you're not getting along with. I, I cannot wait to share Jesus with them. For me, I have to like, slow down, Doug, because I want to right there, like, you got, how do you not know this, oh, wow, Jesus? Let me tell you about it. So we're getting close. And so this is what this is about, is story, really. We're sharing death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. What has got, what is in your life, death, what's been death, what's been burial, what has Jesus resurrected in your life? That's a great place to start when you start sharing Jesus is, what has God done in your life? I'm hoping in some way you've been transformed because that's what this is about, transformation. And so, bless, B-L-E-S-S. Some of you are still walking your neighborhood and, and praying. It's fantastic. God is going to do something amazing. So maybe what, what, by, what might be the next step? I think we're all pretty good at praying, listening, eating. It's a little bit more vulnerable because you're kind of getting up in their space of like, okay, I'm taking the time to listen to you. There's a space and a place to do this. Serving, a little bit more intentional. But again, you're earning the right to be heard. And this is why for me, youth is really easy. Because you know what? You, might, you guys know what my strategy is? And I think I've told you guys this before. I look for tattoos. I challenge you this week. Look for a tattoo. I know that the tattoo generation is like, for some, you might think, oh my gosh, that's, there's skulls. And there's, what I do is I just pick out one tattoo. And I'm like, what does this one tattoo mean? That's, that's the millennial Gen X generation saying, do you see my story? It's right on my body. My story is here. And I guarantee you, they will A, take interest in you because who's really looking at them? So I'm not saying a random person. Figure out, figure out that grocery clerk or the place where you go. Just, just somebody that, like, the next step might just be look at some of their ink and just say, what, is, what does this name mean? What does this date mean? What does this symbol mean? And you're going to get a story. And that's what Jesus does. He reads the tattoos of people. 
That's what he does. He reads the tattoos. And we, his people, his resurrected people, let's look at their stories of what they have and how we connect our story to their story. So, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the, oh, wow, that we get to be resurrection people, not just one Sunday a year, but every day, 24-7. God, as we ride our bikes, as we hike, as we go here and go there, Lord, we are resurrection people. And help us this, this week, Lord, find these connecting moments. We are excited about who we're praying for and who we're going to grab coffee with or bring food to from Subway or wherever, God. We're going to look for these moments because we are going to, this city's going to come to you, I believe, families and people groups. God, you're doing a mighty work. I believe that you are sending people all over the world to Fremont where we the churches, not just FCC, but we the churches are binding together to reach these families with resurrection. That Jesus, you died for everyone, not just for Christians, but you died for Muslims. You, you died for Hindu people. You died for fill in the blank. You took their sin. And God, we want to be your hands and your feet and your eyes and all those things, Jesus. So we are excited. I can't wait what's going to happen the rest of this day, God, in our lives, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go, and what you're going to do.